what we are seeing is a shifting of the kind of sands, right? So what's really interesting in paid advertising is historically you do Google and Facebook. They're the two platforms that have most of the users. And what we've seen is those rates or CPMs go up a lot more. I had some really good data on AdWords where I think it went up 101% over the last year or so. So it's got much more expensive because everyone is there. And then you have all of these kind of privacy and data laws coming in that make it much more harder to do paid advertising. Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform with AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit hubspot.com slash service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast that takes you behind the scenes of what's next in marketing and growing your business. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan. And we have an exciting topic for you all today. And that excitement is we're talking to you about the next great marketing disruption. What is happening right now, kind of behind the scenes that is going to change how anybody who grows and markets a business does their work over the next 10 years. We've taken the curtains, we've opened them up. We wanna show you what's happening so you can watch it in real time and evolve and be ahead of everyone else. You ready to do this, Kieran? I'm excited, let's do this. Kieran, one of the things you and I are obsessed with, we talk about the future a lot. We think about the future, we go back and forward on future-related topics with each other, I would say multiple times a day, right? And one of the things we've noticed is the world of marketing is on the precipice of this massive, massive change. And I wanted to see if you could kind of give everybody watching the summary of what is like happening in the world that's going to cause marketing to change dramatically over the next five years. A large scale disruption. I think there may be two, but one was bigger than the other. So we moved offline to online and we Mm -hmm. moved online. We had all of these new channels where we could actually communicate and promote things to individuals. And then it was kind of the era of the aggregators. So the aggregators aggregated up all the people into singular places. And we had to do these kind of tactics to try to siphon off some of those users into our websites and get them to buy our products and services. When you say aggregators, tell people like, what do you specifically mean by that? Yeah, you go right back to when people started gravitating from offline online. There were many search engines. Yes. And then there was Google. There was many kind of social sites. And then there was Facebook, right? And so you saw these kind of conglomerates eat up all of the different categories and everything kind of became, you know, you have Amazon, you have Google, you have Facebook, you have a couple of large players that are very dominant. When you want to grow a business, there's not a lot of places to go grow a large audience outside of these couple of platforms that have all of the users. And that's the kind of shift from offline to online, from kind of like debundled channels to these bundling of channels into these large aggregators. Yeah, and I think Google is a classic example of this. I mean, Google's market share in search is 91.2%. I also don't know what the other like 8.8% of people are doing. I think Bing is still going. (laughs) It's big. Bing makes like $8 billion a year. It's crazy. Bing is going to get the last laugh. They're going to integrate chat, GPT. We can get into this. Yeah, we are going to get into this. But I want to frame up Google as the perfect example. So if you know you're by your search for things, 
and Google has almost 92% market share in search, you have to play Google's game. You have to participate in AdWords. You have to do SEO. And like, you have to get deep, deep expertise in this platform and aggregator. And the same thing I would argue happened with email marketing. The same thing happened for a long time in social with Facebook, right? Like there were kind of pseudo monopolies that if you wanted to grow a business, you had to become grade A professionals at winning, right? And I think you are here and I am here to posit to everybody that that's actually changing. And what, what does that change look like? I think what we are seeing is a shifting of the kind of sounds, right? Like we're seeing some of the bundling, I think you could potentially argue it's going to become debundled. So let's go through a couple of places that I think is much more obvious than others. So what's really interesting in paid advertising is historically you do Google and Facebook. They're the two platforms that have most of the users. And what we've seen is those kind of rates or CPMs go up a lot more. I had some really good data on AdWords where I think it went up 101% over the last year or so. So it's got much more expensive because everyone is there. And then you have all of these kind of privacy and data laws coming in that make it much more harder to do paid advertising. That's why you see a lot of the kind of people who are relying on Facebook or companies relying on Facebook have really horrible earnings because that is not as effective. So I saw some really interesting things, right? Like Google AdWords, there it is. The cost per lead has increased by 91%. Woo, that's spicy. So that is a lot of money you have to pay to get the leads from the Google AdWords. What we're seeing actually, which I think is interesting, is like having this kind of debundling of ads and having other places you can spend that money that maybe are more targeted to the kind of users that you want. Well, hold on, hold on. Before you go further, I would like to chime in and talk to people about why debundling happens, because that's kind of what you're getting at right here, Kieran, right? Which is debundling happens in one of two ways. So like we'll use Google as an example. Like why would Google lose its search dominance? It would lose its search dominance for two reasons. One, somebody comes along and makes a better product and technology, right? Or that becomes so expensive for businesses to get leads, just as you just talked about, that other alternatives from a cost-effective perspective become much more attractive, even though they have larger market share. And normally what happens, those two things combine to cause what we would call an unbundling, going from Google to multiple competitors in the search market, for example. And, and I think that's an important thing for everybody watching to understand is that that unbundling is normally precipitated by major technology change. And it's oftentimes a major like change in the economic model. I think we're going to get into the experience when we talk about search engines. This is a little bit more like, you know, the cost impact, the unit economics, like how yeah. efficient is it to advertise on Google AdWords? And so again, Google AdWords is still the dominant place to spend your money. We have not seen the shift happen, but like there's some interesting things happening. So Uber and DoorDash, yeah. they actually recently announced, Uber announced its advertising network. So it shows ads to riders as they, as they travel to their destination. DoorDash announced they're expanding their ad network to include more self-service option for advertisers. So DoorDash and Uber, if you want to spend your money, have this kind of engaged audience and you as an advertiser can go and advertise across their ad networks. The other one that I thought was really interesting is when you're on a plane, you're kind of stuck there having to watch the in-flight entertainments. And so the planes have built this kind of digital advertising you know, for flights. Mm -hmm. They think that that market is going to be worth, like digital advertising on planes will be worth about 3.3 billion by 2030. 
And so again, it's another example of other areas that you can spend your money to an engaged audience. And you could argue whether they're engaged or not because they're kind of stuck there. Kieran, I have a hot take for you. One of the reasons that advertising is going to become unbundled is because a lot of the traditional advertising that was offline is about to have all of the same mechanics and trackability of online. And what you're talking about with Uber, DoorDash, and the airplanes are all types of -of out-of-home advertising. And you and I have a friend named Sam Malakarjanon who has a great startup called OneScreen.ai. And they are building a marketplace and smart tracking and analytics and everything for all this out-of-home. And like, disclosure, I'm an investor. But like, even if I wasn't, I think that that is a huge future part of a marketer's mix because you can now like run campaigns and then do retargeting on Facebook for people who passed your digital billboard. Like that's a game changer and a way that you couldn't do that before. And so part of this unbundling that we're going through is happening because old ways of doing things are now modernizing and becoming real viable options to things like Google AdWords and other things that were kind of the only game in town for a long time. Yeah, the optionality to spend money and be able to like look at the return on that investment. Yes, and yes. There has never been a better business than Google AdWords in terms of the dollar in, dollar out. Well, yeah, but do you know what the cost per thousand for folks watching CPM cost per thousand of average cost per thousand for out of home is versus like digital? No, pennies. It's a dollar per thousand and the average digital CPM is somewhere between 25 and 35 dollars. And so that's like orders of magnitude cheaper, right? This comes back to my point around cost savings, right? As a catalyst for unbundling. If you can have something that's orders of magnitude cheaper, you're willing to settle for some change in tracking and ROI and everything because of that cost savings, right? I think that's a good way to think about it is we went online, we kind of aggregated into these platforms that could show us the return on our dollars. Google AdWords won that battle and we really didn't spend money on offline because it was not as trackable, but technology has caught up and we will have more optionality. And I think optionality is really good Because I think the biggest problem for a lot of businesses and marketeers right now is the lack of optionality in terms of how you can actually use different platforms to grow your brand. Yeah, the reason from the marketing side of things is that everybody should be excited about this next wave of marketing, this this what you and I call like the great unbundling and how competition is going to come back and more channels are going to come back to marketing over the next five to 10 years is because this last era turned marketers, you and I have talked about this, into boring knob and dial turners. It's like, cool, I have this perfect math and I'm going to kind of tweak my math and it's going to be perfect. But it took all the creativity out, first of all. And now also in like two years, AI is going to turn all those knobs and like you're not going to need marketers to turn the knobs and turn the dials. And what's going to be left and, and what's going to be really important is the creativity creativity, the storytelling, the value. So it's good news for Netflix, actually. It's going to be like more, I think, options on these free to stream ad support and TV networks. And so they have this really cool study where they find that 23% of US users often click on ads and buy products when they see them advertise on those free to stream services. That's where Netflix is moving. They'll have a freemium version. They'll monetize that freemium version through ads. And I think they could actually make a bunch of money and give marketers another way to reach audiences. The cool thing about that is like you can imagine you'll get a pretty good idea of your ideal customer profile and the types of shows that they watch and the types of data that Netflix will be able to give you. And that could be a really impactful way to advertise in the future. And again, I think the more optionality we have, the more fun things are. I agree. But also as an aside for everybody, isn't this kind of depressing that we're really just reinventing cable television? 
It's like we had all these cable channels that served us a bunch of ads that we paid a membership fee to watch. And then we're like, oh, cool. I don't watch all that stuff on cable. I just want to pay for the stuff I want. Streaming's awesome. I just pay for the stuff I want. And then instead, we now have all of these streaming services with all of these like subsets of content that we're now going to pay a fee and get shown ads for. We're going to have better tracking. It's going to be better for marketers. But as like a consumer, it's kind of sad to me that we didn't innovate on entertainment more than I was hoping we would. It's like YouTube, right? Like you won't yeah. see ads because you'll pay for the premium version. But there'll version. be some I... hybrid model where a bunch of people are paying, you know, five bucks a month plus seeing ads, you know? Maybe, but I think what they realized was that the streaming is really expensive. (laughs) And what they were able to fund that and do better in TV stations through like VC funded capital, but they weren't making actual money. And now, you know, they have to make money. And the only way they can do that is like, oh, it turns out the TV model is maybe only one of the ways you can truly build great content and still actually make money. Yeah, we were making a better cable versus a whole different entertainment experience. I'm a little bummed out by that, but I understand. But I want to get back to the unbundling. You shared some great data. We talked a lot about the unbundling of advertising, how out of home is going to really change, how there is going to be more dominant players in advertising because of Google and Facebook's slow decline of dominance over the next decade. So if if we posit that advertising is becoming unbundling, which I believe it is, what should somebody do about that? Like, what would you do in a world where you can't just spend all of your ad budgets on Google and Facebook for the best return? It really depends on your industry, right? Like, I think that you would want to test these different ad networks to see if any of them are worth your time and effort. So there's like, which ones have enough scale and which ones have really good unit economics? Because some of them are going to be too small for the amount of audience that you need to reach. But it's really like dependent upon if you have a certain industry and you have a certain demographic that you need to reach, some of these different ad networks could start to spring up and be much more targeted in terms of how you can reach those people than the Google and the Facebook machine. Kieran, I want to give everybody watching my hack for this. When we talk about creativity and marketing, we often talk about like, pretty design and like brand campaigns. That's not what I'm talking about. I think the best use of marketing creativity is problem solving. And if the problem we're trying to solve is advertising on bundles is that because it's becoming more expensive to advertise on Google and Facebook, I need other places to advertise. Then the first thing you have to do, the best hack you can do is go find who are the gatekeepers of the audience you care about. And in the early days of HubSpot, for example, one of the things we found out is that there were these great marketing LinkedIn groups and these people ran these LinkedIn groups and we could sponsor a weekly update to that LinkedIn group, provide valuable content and generate a ton of leads and interest in our software because we just simply did one-to-one outreach to that group owner and said, hey, is this something you want to do? How, how do you want to approach that? And that's like an old school example. I think there are new school examples for people who have big audiences on other platforms or even niche media companies that have big audiences. But I think if you don't go out and are not very clear on who has that audience, then you're just going to be stuck on that Google and Facebook hamster wheel. Right. I think there's a chart you can build, which is size of audience you need to reach. Early stage, I think these niche platforms can work much better. And then unfortunately, as you get like large and need to reach a large audience, you're still kind of in the Google and Facebook monopoly. But maybe over time, they, again, I get, they get dismediated. There's going to be different options to reach large audiences. And that will be good for all of us. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Nudge hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? 
On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. I completely agree. So it seems like on the unbundling, we think advertising is going to unbundle for all the ways we just talked about. When we get to search, like the biggest news that is happening on the internet right now is GPT chat from OpenAI. And one of the very prominent conversations around it is like, wow, this AI chat is way better at answering questions than a Google search result page. And like I even saw somebody was trolling Google making fun because like the big Google search innovation that they released. Kieran, did you see what they did on Google search? I didn't see now. No. You could now do infinite scrolling on Google search. Oh, I did search. see that actually. I did see that. That is, wow, that is an innovation for Google on search. It's an innovation for Google like, on search, but it's the complete opposite antithesis of the trend that you're seeing with AI ability to provide deeper, more contextual answers. Are the ads sticky? Have you scrolled the ads? Oh, they have to be the perma-scrolling ads. I haven't looked at it yet. I bet you they are. Oh, you're looking at it in real time. L- ladies and gentlemen, the marketer in him can't help it. He's like, I know I should be doing the show. <laughs> I haven't got it yet, but I bet you it's like these permanent ads, probably scroll with Yes, you. I think as they roll it out, you will see just the reason they're doing the infinite scrolling is definitely for monetization and ads. Right. And that's the other important point on search. As things unbundle and as companies lose market share, the thing that they always do is try to squeeze their users for more money. That always, always happens. And so what's going to happen is your organic search traffic from Google is going to go down. And it's going to go down because they're going to cram more and more ads on that search and result page as they lose market share, right? And if search unbundles, like that is what's going to happen. Do you agree with that, Kieran? I think Google have always had to try to like figure out a fine balance between user experience and paid ads. Ultimately, they just want to give the user the thing they care about in a single click. But I think anytime you've seen Google missed numbers, it does seem to correlate with more advertising. If someone posted that they were on YouTube, things was after the latest earnings where they were not that great. And they saw like 11 ads or something. I don't know what kind of sicko has free YouTube in the first place, but this person was using free YouTube, but they had like 10 or 11 ads they saw in a 10 minute video. So I think they want to be as aggressive as they can, but they always have to find the balance with user experience. Yeah. For marketers, as we see the great unbundling happening, what we are saying is there will always be monetization pressure. In the aggregator, whether it be Google, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, what have you, as that aggregator has monetization pressure, it gets harder and harder to get organic or free benefit. Do you remember, Kieran, when you could do free marketing on Facebook? When like there was actually organic marketing on Facebook? (laughs) I remember that that was a thing. That happened. I think Elon's going to do that on Twitter as well. I think he's going to like force you to pay the subscription by making whoever subscribed get far better organic visibility the same way Facebook did. Algorithmic preference, basically. Right. So the second part of this is search is going to unbundle. 
we believe. And it will likely be because of evolution and artificial intelligence, but it's also because of just how and what people are searching for. Like you and I have, have talked about in the past that Reddit is becoming a primary search engine for us. YouTube's becoming a primary search engine for us. TikTok, other channels that have different types of content that can answer specific types of queries and questions better. And really the use cases of search are becoming far more fragmented, right? It's actually interesting. Like I think people for years have thought about, hey, will Google ever get disrupted by another search engine? And I don't think they will, but I think they will get disrupted by someone who creates a new category of search and makes the current search experience look very antiquated. Yes. And I think that video is one of those things, like TikTok is one of those things. I think Reddit is one of those things, which is like search through community. And I think GPT is one of those things, which yes. is in a couple of years, you could argue that people will think, why did I ever go to another site to like search for things when I can just have this assistant who's like ever present and who is like available all the time that can just tell me things. And uh, I've seen some really interesting people tweet that they've replaced half of their time on Google already with chat GPT. And it's only been out for like two weeks. So it hasn't yeah. even started to go through the amount of evolution. Now, I do wonder how long they'll keep that for free. I think Sam Altman, who is the, the I think the CEO of OpenAI was saying, it does cost them certain amount of pennies for every single question asked. Yeah. And so there is a real cost to the freemium tier of that, but it's pretty incredible. Look, Sam, we will happily be beta testers if you want to try your own modern version of AdWords within GPT chat where you want to do sponsored recommendations. Kieran and I are right here. We'll be your, your first advertising customers. Sign us up. Kieran, I was talking to a friend of ours, Brad Coffey. That's the question he posed, which is like, what does the next AdWords look like because the dominance of AdWords was so huge for marketing, right? What does the next AdWords look like in this kind of unbundled search world? And I think it's going to be similar in that there's going to be like sponsored inclusion, but it's just a question of what that looks like. And I think GPT chat has the best opportunity to deliver a modern AdWords experience in a way that some of the other platforms, whether it be Reddit, TikTok, other things, aren't going to be as able to deliver. I actually don't know if we're going to see an AdWords for GPT because a couple of reasons. Oh, I love this, this a spicy take coming in from you, Kira. You don't need one conglomerate to own search in this world because you can just build models on top of the open AI model, right? And so you actually could end up with tons of different assistants that do search in a variety mm -hmm. of ways. And so I don't think you need to monetize through ads. You can actually monetize through a subscription because you're servicing a smaller segment of the market with a search experience for that market. I completely disagree with you. All those people who build on the OpenAI API, they're going to want to have a freemium business model. You're the product-led growth guy. You love freemium business models. And you could own, you just said that there's real cost to running queries on OpenAI for OpenAI, which means they're going to mark that up, what? 50 to 100% for everybody else, which means they're going to have to have some ad-supported free tier for those products. It depends. You can take the free tier and look how much that free tier, how many users it brings in, and then have a LTV to CAC model of how many upgrade. And it just could be your marketing channel. Like you could just have that as my marketing cost. My marketing costs require a user a certain number of free chats. It's cute that you think the modern that capitalism, happens. it's that cute happens. you think modern capitalism would let that a company happens. be like, oh, those economics are good. We're fine. Versus, oh, you know what hey, make those economics better? Let's put ads in, baby. Every freemium tier has a cost to it. It has a cost because there's a certain number of people working on that free tier. There's yes. a certain number 
of costs to the product. There's a certain number of costs to the AWS that you're paying. And what I'm saying is, if you had the ability to take that cost away, you would. But we don't because ads sometimes are not the right model. Like it's sometimes not a good model for the freemium tier. Oh, I agree with that. I'm saying in some of these situations, it will be. And I don't think your utopia where like ads is no longer a kind of monetization channel for these businesses that build on open AI. Like I just fundamentally disagree with it. I just don't see you having a great ad experience within a chat panel where you can actually easily tell the AI to stop sending you anything that's paid and promoted. Like I can literally just say to my AI, give me all the answers and never put in any kind of form of paid advertising. You think we live in a world where we are smart enough to build an AI to answer really hard, complex questions and we can't figure out how to create a good ad experience for it? I just I just disagree. I don't think we're going to need an ad experience. I think we're going to have a multitude of different chat experiences that can monetize much better through subscription. Well, I think we'll find out over the next year, my friend. We will find out. <laughs> we'll come back to this. And one of us is clipping this debate out and putting it in the other person's <laughs> face. It's just a question of who that's going to be. Yeah, I think for your thing to be right in terms of ads, there needs to be like a winner takes all in the search market. And I just don't think there is going to be. Not necessarily. I kind of disagree with that as well, because you could have a kind of an AI AdWords marketplace that plugs into any of these different tools built on GPT chat and and make that work. We're going to see from Google. I did see someone who built a bot that spliced together GPT and Google, like it spliced together. Mm -hmm. It would pull you back the search results, but then overlay the chat experience. And so you could maybe combine both. We're going to see Google are working on something. They're not dumb. Oh, totally. They're not dumb. And they're going to work on something and we're going to see how that experience works for ads. I'm hopeful that we may reach a point where we do not need ads in that model and you can monetize it in a lot better ways. I would love for that if it was true. I just am a little skeptical of it. Okay. So I, I think we want to have a fight about something else now, which is the unbundling of messaging. So it used to be that email marketing was the game. And that if you were a marketer, you had to do email marketing. Email marketing is how you monetized and converted your users in a really effective way. And I would make the argument that email is also unbundling because we now have businesses interacting with their customers and prospects on WhatsApp, within DMs of given social networks, within SMS, within iMessage. That is a pretty massive unbundling of how we communicate one-to-one, one-to-many with our customers. But you disagree. Paint the case for why email might not be unbundling. Nothing will ever kill email. We've had social (laughs) as killing email. We had messaging as killing email. One wild stat is like, Facebook really dominate messaging. Have you had a WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram? They have 7 billion active users per month across those messaging platforms. I do think there's like unbundling into messaging, but messaging is additive, not cannibalizing email. And so when you look at usage of email, it has just like been there growing year on year, year on year, year on year. The social thing didn't matter. The messaging thing didn't matter. The number of users growing just keeps on continuing to grow. But I do think everything you mentioned is additive to email. Email is not the only comms channel you should implement within your marketing. You should have a variety of tools, especially WhatsApp. Like if you're in India, for example. Well, that's the whole point I'm making. You're just agreeing with me then. No, I'm not agreeing with you because unbundling means You are agreeing with me. The unbundling cannibalizes the core thing. Like it's not additive. It's actually cannibalizing. I'm saying that messaging is not cannibalizing email. Kieran, Kieran, do you want to go talk to some people right now about how their email open rates and click-through rates and engagement rates are doing? 
Oh, and, and also the data they can get from that because of all the Apple privacy changes, they suck. But that's the same They're thing. They're going down, man. They are going down. Messaging has to abide by the same laws as email. That's what they've been talking about. That's not true. Yes, it is true. Privacy laws, like you have to get the same contact details, all of those things in the same way. You can't just say, well, I'm going to bypass EU laws because I'm going to do messaging. But messaging, like WhatsApp and everything are bundled app experiences and have their own tracking infrastructure and engagement infrastructure and are mobile first. There's a bunch of different aspects to email. Like email is an older technology and a lot of the tracking in email is cookie based. And we are going to live in a world where cookies are no longer a method of tracking long-term. And that inherently is going to put email at a disadvantage. I would argue that the reason that email rates are going really down and worse than ever is not because of the tool. It's because of the over usage of email as a spam tool. Like It's like yes. not that email is a bad comms tool. It's just that people use that to a point where it turns people off. And messaging is going to be worse it's going to be worse because it's actually going to be worse if we start to like lean in and do all the same things with messaging. I completely disagree with you. So maybe it has its moment in the sun where it's like, first of all, my argument isn't that messaging tools are not an incredible thing to add into your, your playbook and add into your like comms channel, but it is not cannibalizing email. Like you're not going to swap out email for WhatsApp. That is fundamentally just not true. Okay, you will rip out all of HubSpot's email and no, replace well, it with WhatsApp. But I'm saying that the monetization rates on messaging apps from experiments we've even run at HubSpot, like on WhatsApp, are higher. And engagement rates they are, are higher, higher. for a far smaller number of people. It is uh, smaller. It, it's it is not smaller. that far smaller, especially in outside of the US. Like if you look in Latin America, for example, that is a very different game. Before you jumped in, I actually did say there are certain countries where WhatsApp will likely be better. I started with India yeah. because of how consumers use those tools. Yeah, well, I guess that's what I'm saying is I think the best user behavior has evolved. And I think long-term, the best messaging user behavior in Latin America or Europe or what have you will eventually migrate across the world. And that's going to put email at disadvantage. Email is still important, but it's not the only messaging alternative like it used to be. Like when you're saying something's unbundling, it's going from the main thing to an important thing that now is surrounded by other things of growing importance. And that is the argument I'm making. Is email still important? But wow, these other messaging channels are important and growing in importance. And email is declining in importance. Yeah, I argue that none of these things have put a dent in email's usage. That's all I said. It, it turns out that we, we don't even know how to argue, <laughs> but whatever. But what we are saying, I think that what we're both saying is that email is unbundling because there are multiple messaging channels that you now use to engage with your prospective or current customers, right? Like, Okay, I'll give you We that, believe yeah. that to be true. And if you are just focused on email, you are sacrificing growth in your business. Yes. Right? Don't you agree with that? Again, yeah, I think you're right. There's certain countries where it's going to be based upon consumer usage. Like if consumers actually gravitate towards a message and app versus email, that's the way you're going to need to reach those users. But I do agree that yeah. email has been unbundled, but it's still incredible to look at the growth of email has just very, very steady. Like it has never not grown year on year, which I think is incredible. Yeah, look, I think... Email is a very valuable messaging tool. We've got a lot of others. And if you're a marketer out there, you have to diversify past email. I think this is an important topic, Karen, because I think we really tried to frame up for everybody who's trying to grow a business out there that the channels and tactics you use are going to evolve. And not just that they're going to evolve, but why they're going to evolve, which is this disaggregation, this unbundling of these channels. And 
So let's go through real quick here at the end. Our advice on ads were like, hey, ads are unbundling. Think about non-traditional, lower cost ad channels like at a home and look and find where there is audience in your market. Who are the gatekeepers of the audience in your market? And how do you partner on a sponsorship like advertising basis with those folks? Like that was one. On the unbundling of search, what's our advice to people there, Kieran? Is our advice just like keep a close eye because there's no like true alternative yet, but it really does mean you need to participate and have multimedia formats like TikTok, YouTube, et cetera. Like those are growing and community are growing channels for search. Yeah, I've been asked this a bunch actually recently. I don't think there is a great alternative. I don't think so either. To Google search being disrupted because we really don't know what their replacement experience is going to look like and how you can interact with it. I do think something like a chat GPT experience is not going to be good for people who are dependent upon search as a organic channel. So I think, yeah, I think trying to own more of the media channels and have more share of voice in terms of what your audience are consuming. But that is like definitely going to be indirect monetization versus direct, which I think is going to be problematic. I completely agree. And then on messaging and email, hey, email is still important, but if you are only doing email, you are sacrificing some growth opportunity and you want to look at your audience and say what other messaging channels, whether it be WhatsApp, SMS, iMessage, whether it be direct messages on other social platforms, if you have a big social following, like make sure you have the right diversified messaging channel to kind of counteract declining engagement rates on email. Yeah, I think uh, 100%. You want, it's, it's really just how consumers like to interact with each other and brands. And I think different countries, that is changing very rapidly. Yeah. And email should not be the only tool you use to communicate with your users. So go look to see what else your users are actually using within those countries. I love it. We argued, we fought, we talked about the future, basically all of our favorite things in one show. I love it. And we will be back with everybody on another episode of Marking Into the Grain very soon.